Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, health, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Geekox Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs founded by Fireman with Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was at that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs here on 1075 The Game. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you on this Thursday morning. Thank you once again to Grace and Griner for hanging out with us for today's edition of the Garner Trust Tower. And if you missed any of that conversation, I'll have it up for you shortly on the 1075 The Game podcasting page. Really, I had no idea that he was working upstairs. Uh, funny enough, when he I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, I literally rode the elevator with him this morning having no idea it was him. Well, he, he's only been working there four days. So. I know. I did, <laughs> yeah. I did notice, like when he got on there, like, man, this guy's really tall. And I knew, obviously, he was six foot six, you know, reading up on him and yesterday and stuff and a half. <laughs> but I, just, I did make the connection until he was sitting here with the microphone. I'm like, wait a minute. It looked very familiar. Six, six, six and a half? And, and a quarter and a half. So he, he's definitely over I always six. thought he was a six five guy, which is... No, 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 also, no, no, oh, that's no, what no, he no. was listed at Carolina as, right? Yeah, they shorted him? Yeah, because catchers aren't supposed to be tall. Yeah, they're, so they, they're like, seriously, right, how they, much can we, yeah, that's true. How much can we fudge this? Let's yeah, but they, they fudged it in the opposite direction that makes sense, of, of what yeah. you normally do. But um, So, yeah, I, I was standing out there doing the normal just, hey, man, so how's it going? How's the work life? He's like, yeah, it's good. I started Monday. So I'm like, he, he has no idea yet. But um, Well, it's cool that they gave him an hour off to come down here. Very cool. Um, he should obviously be coming by very often since he just... Yeah, I was I was working him to try to get him on as an advertiser there at the end. But <laughs> Grayson, uh, great dude, man. That that was good stuff. We got I I didn't I didn't know how much I should nerd out into the some some real baseball talk versus how much people just wanted to hear about his time at Carolina. But I indulged myself there. That the, the stuff about 
the new rules and what it means for a catcher and pitch framing. And we were actually talking off air too about uh, the robo ump stuff a little bit more detailed. And um, he was able to experience that at the minor league level, right? Which uh, he said is very interesting. There are two different ways that they do it. Are they doing that in AAA now? Is that is that where the robo ump is? I don't know if it's there now. I know he I, he experienced it. I think some places may use it. I don't think it's widespread. Yeah, and so he said there's two different ways you do it. One was just 100% robo-ump. Yeah. The other one was challenge system. Okay. So um, he said it's actually very quick. If if there's a ball or strike, each side gets three challenges. Mm -hmm. You just tap the top of your head. The set, They pull it up instantly. Ball or strike, boom, keep it, keep it moving. He said that was actually way better than... Um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it sounded like that was way better. So you're still having the umpire on the field calling it, but you can challenge it, essentially, is what you're saying? Yes. Four balls and strikes? Yeah. Okay. But he, I, even with the robo-ump 100%, there is an umpire. He's just got an earpiece. I see. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the sound of that. The problem with that is that it's still a strike. If you set up inside and you reach all the way across to the outside corner okay. and it catches the quote-unquote zone, that's a strike. That's never mm. been a strike for a hundred plus years of baseball. Yeah, so it's, so, not, it's not perfect. So that, so to me, I kind of like the challenge because eventually I think they will go to Probably. Robo. Um, the challenge system's a little bit better though because <laughs> you you only have three per team per game. I uh, he he talked about being so nice to all the umpires. <laughs> I really wanted to ask him about Angel Hernandez, but I figured after he said that, he probably wouldn't probably wouldn't say anything too demeaning. We'll ask him next time. Yeah. He's on. We'll just warm him up a little bit and then throw that in there. But no, that that was good. Great stuff. He, uh, I, I had forgotten. I guess I knew this. I'd forgotten. He committed to South Carolina as a freshman in high school. So they hadn't even, they hadn't even won those titles yet when he committed. And then they won it, uh, his final two years of high school. And then, of course, went uh, that third straight year um, when they played Arizona. That was his freshman year at South Carolina. I actually remember when he committed. Like, that was a long time ago. And I'm not, like, a big, big baseball recruiting follower. Like, I hear, you know, I know P.J. Morlando is the number one player in the country now. And that dude's a stud. Yeah, I know, I, know diff- I know a few things, and I mainly lean on Colin Taylor for that and others. But I do remember when Grayson committed because, you know, he was a local kid, Blythewood. Yep. And then, so, so you read about that, and then you're like, wow, this guy's – a young it, now baseball players do commit very young you know hearing a his freshman year of high school freshman year of high school but that is not like a shock like that happens like freshman sophomore year it, the recruiting is very early but i remember even reading back then i was like i don't remember what he, he might have even been listed he might have been six five as a freshman i mean he was definitely tall maybe it was six three maybe it's six four i was like really a, a, a catcher who's that tall pretty crazy the other thing we learned today, Grayson actually a big football recruiting fan. So. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, he follows it. Did he confirm he subscribed to Gamecock Central? I didn't put him on the spot, but I don't know. Well, where else, next where time, else do you get the best coverage of Gamecock recruiting? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. Great point, Tyler. Yeah. Did he have any thoughts on Dylan Stewart? Uh, committing? No, but we did talk about him a little okay. bit off air. He okay. was excited. He He's, missed the Jalewis Solomon um, drama drama over the weekend. But, Oof. yeah, he follows it. Gamecock through and through. And oh, yeah. uh, he'll he'll be at Willie B with the rest of you listening. He'll be there hanging out, watching all the games. He said he he obviously 
doesn't get to or didn't get to go to a bunch of games before, but now he will. Well, he's going to be very hard to miss in the crowd. True. Six, five and a half. Six, six and a half. Speaking of football, as we get closer and closer to kickoff, we are 23 days away from now from starting things off against North Carolina in Charlotte. Some pretty significant news coming out recently about North Carolina's football team, mainly with the guy that was expected to be their number one wide receiver this year in Tez Walker, the transfer from Kent State, being ruled ineligible by the NCAA uh, with their new double transfer rule for undergraduates. He'd been in North Carolina Central, been at Kent State, and uh, there's a coaching change this past offseason, comes to UNC, literally was at UNC before this rule was changed, changed to two days later, and now he, at least at this point in time, is not eligible for the 2023 season. Looking at headlines now, uh, North Carolina governor has gotten involved in asking the NCAA president to allow Tez Walker to be eligible. I mean, if you're a South Carolina fan out there, you've you've been on the other end of this. Maybe not these exact specifics, but we can remember sitting here, Jalen Brooks waiting to find out was he was he going to be eligible his first year. Um, Nick Muse waiting to find out is he going to be eligible. There becomes a point, um, you know, Tyler's countdowns at 23 days. There's a point where if you're North Carolina, you have to start to prepare for like you're not going to be able to get this overturned. Well, we know the NCAA does not move fast in anything, really. No, they they do not adhere to the pitch clock. It is very <laughs> slow for them. And, you know, it, for them, it could be it could be two days before kick. It could be the day of kickoff. Yep. It, it really could be. And so this is, I mean, this appears to be a pretty big loss. This is a big transfer get for them a kid that's put up some big numbers. Um, they lost a couple of guys from last year's team, including Downs, who was a you know a stud for them, the receiver. And obviously, you look at Drake May, you look at what they expect to be on offense, the fact that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I mean, that this I don't know if this is to the level of affecting the line on the game. I don't think one player who is a transfer can do that. But I, I do think it... it Assuming he doesn't get this overturned in the next week or two, then this is this is a pretty big deal for this matchup. And Nick Muse, you, that was a great poll, Wes. Remembering about his eligibility, you remember leading up to that game, what a storyline was. He missed the North Carolina game, mm-hmm. right? I mean, with South Carolina, so a little interesting, kind of ironic carry over there. And yeah, you know, eventually he's cleared. But you make a kid miss some time. I think we've seen a trend. So this a few days ago, in the last few days, you've seen Tez Walker at North Carolina get denied. And then you've seen um, the player from Florida State. Darrell Jackson Darrell Jr. Jackson Jr. Yep. Also get denied. And you're kind of going, what's the deal here? Because like Wes said, we have seen this before. It yeah. is not, um, it's not atypical for the NCAA to deny these waivers. But the timing of it, Yes. I think, so you got two things at play. I think you've got the timing, and then you have kind of the era that we're in. So for the timing part, you're telling a kid three weeks before they're going to play a game, you can't play. Yeah, because right. he's, he's been on UNC's campus since January. Yes, you've had time to figure out, ah, no, we don't think you're going to be able to play. Fair warning. Yeah. J- just, just so you know, you're probably not playing this year. So you do it now. And then the other part of it is the era that we're in, right? So 
we are now in a time period where players, whether whether or not like it or not, you know, as a college athletics fan, the players now have more power than ever. You know, the the, the power balance has shifted from the NCAA controlling um, whether or not a coaching staff can give their players cream cheese on their bagel, and and that's kind of an inside joke, but that's a literal thing. Yeah. To, um. You know, NIL and, and all sorts of things. And it's gone in the other direction to where now players have a lot more power. And the other part of the timing on this for the NCAA is, is you're doing this now at a time where you're, you're going to Congress and you're begging for NIL help, right? And you're in this new era where players have more and more power. And you're doing it at a time where, you know, you're a few weeks out from the season. And so as far as the PR and the timing of all this for the NCAA, it's rough. And that's why I've seen... Governor Cooper now involved. Marco Rubio has written a letter for the Florida State player um, on his behalf. And we are seeing more and more push. You know, this this wouldn't have really caught, like, legislative attention probably two years ago. But now it is. Well, it's a, is it a, I mean, I got to think there's just some political play here. Let me... Let me oh, absolutely. make these sports fans happy by being like, absolutely. this is an outrage. NCAA, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Any, I mean, I sit here, my thought outside looking in, politicians involved with sports, bad. But, <laughs> it, you know, if it was a South Carolina player, I full well, you know, I know Gamecock fans would be saying, hey, let's, let's, get, let's get somebody at the political level involved in trying to get this guy eligible. So I, I get it. Yeah. Probably an easy win for a politician to be like, oh, yeah, we support this guy. Sure. Um, but, hey, back to the point, on the field, this could be a big loss for them. We'll see We'll see if it gets sorted out between now and then. But I, I do think there is a sense here where the NCAA is like, look, hey, we're letting everybody transfer once with no – Penalty, no oversight, no nothing whatsoever. But if you want to transfer twice, that is kind of as an undergrad. See, if you have not graduated yet, yeah, we're just saying that that's where that's where the line is drawn, and they they don't they don't want to work through these cases. Like right. I, not to give the NCAA any extra credit whatsoever, <laughs> but they're saying, look, you can transfer once, but once it gets to the point of transferring twice, we don't want to sort through sure. all this. Well, well, actually, I have this going on at home that they they just want to say yeah. there's a hard line stance as opposed to sorting through something. Now, the one thing that North Carolina is hopeful of is the fact that he never actually played at North Carolina Central because they had their 2020 season canceled because of COVID. Was on the roster, ready to play. Season didn't happen. Ends up going to Kent State and playing there for a couple of years. So that's kind of what their big push in this is. And again, the NCAA doesn't move fast on anything, but that's kind of what they're hanging their hat on as a possibility for getting him reinstated. So that that was his original school did so, not play? Not quite. He actually was at East Tennessee State first as a gray shirt and found out he wasn't going to get to play there, went to North Carolina Central. Then that season gets canceled, goes to Kent State, Plays there for two years, balled out last year, great numbers, and now he's at North Carolina. See, that that's where I think the NCAA is like, all right. I, that, again, that's that's just the defense that North Carolina is going to use here. So he went there as a gray shirt, but he he was on campus at East Tennessee State. As far as I know, yes. And this, I only learned that because of Mac Brown's press conference the other day talking about this. There's no other record of him being at East Tennessee State. 
See, that that would be something. You, gray shirt means you delay enrollment for a year or for a semester. Um, I would be curious to know how long he was at East Tennessee State. Um, so I, I kind of, I mean, I see both sides, but at the same time. Sure. He could have he could have stayed at Kent State. Well, yeah. When we know that the NCAA has cracked down on this whole second transfer thing, and, and a lot of it, it revolves around coaching changes because that's what happened yeah. at Kent State. New head coach this year, he decides mm-hmm. to leave. So, so that's another part of this is they don't want guys just the entire team transferring because you have new coach. Are Gamecock fans happy with him just being ruled eligible for week two? <laughs> I think everybody'd be okay with that. I think they wouldn't mind at all. Yeah, I mean, is that is that wrong to say? Like, it's not yeah. it's not an injury. You know, it's not like you're wishing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hope this guy is hurt. Like, I feel like this is different. I think um, we could open a poll, but I would say conservatively about seventy five percent of Gamecock fans would be like, there, "There's going to be a small group. No, we want to play them at their full strength." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But most people are going to be like, "No, we've dealt with this. We've dealt with the Nick Muse. It's their turn. This is kind of payback." Yeah. It Sometimes is. it's nice for the shoe to be on the other foot. Yes, indeed. Hey, I'm going to tell y'all, too, on the other side of the break, we're talking about UNC. We're talking about Charlotte. I was actually in Charlotte yesterday. I was doing a, uh, a uh, site scout. I didn't go to Bank of America Stadium. Get some inside I was, info. I was checking out Charlotte, and I discovered some things that will also not make Gamecock fans happy, Ooh. I don't think. All right, well, we will talk about what Chris discovered coming up next. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Chris wants to tell you about something that's not going to make you happy. I want to tell you about things that will make you happy. That's Firehouse Subs. Uh, it is almost lunchtime, 11-17. Go to firehousesubs.com or just do what I do. Download the Firehouse Subs app. You can hit the Rapid Rescue either online or on the app. Save your favorite sub in there. There's a sub of the day for every single day of the week. That means seven ninety nine medium. But also, they've got this brand new for a limited time only sub. That is this pepperoni pizza meatball sub on the garlic bread and i did confirm when i was getting my rapid rescue last week you can actually sub in the garlic bread on any sandwich right now wow so if you try the pepperoni pizza meatball sub but then you want to sort of mix it up and get one of your normal favorites but you want to try it with the garlic bread you can do that just sub it in or out there on the app you can you can customize this thing to to put whatever it is you like on your sandwich at Firehouse Subs. As always, uh, we appreciate Firehouse Subs. They're our presenting sponsor here. Again, it's almost lunchtime. Hit them up. $6 pepperoni pizza meatball sub when you order right now on the app. Do it now. Firehousesubs.com. Chris's Charlotte Discovery is coming up next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. 107.5 The Game. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Woo! And welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you. We're going to talk about Charlotte. Of course, I had to include some Ric Flair in here. But oh, yeah, great call. Chris, you were up in the Queen City. Mm-hmm. What did you find that Gamecock fans may not like? So, we were just hearing in the break there about painting the town garnet. And on the way to Charlotte on 77, this is the part Gamecock fans would like. Really cool billboard that USC did. Um, said that a sandstorm is coming to Charlotte on okay. 
September 2nd. Pretty cool billboard. So I was at Carowinds yesterday, and it was outstanding. Great experience there. Nothing but good things to say. But you know Carowinds is situated in between South Carolina and North Carolina. Yep. And they have, they've actually changed a little bit. Um, you know, you used to be able to kind of, well, you still can. You can kind of stand on the state line when you're there. They've changed up. I haven't been there and shoot, we were trying to figure it out, maybe 10 or 15 years. So some things are still the same, some are different. But the part where you stand on the state at the beginning is a little different. But I did notice, and this might have been coincidental or not, when you come in on the, I think it's the left side, they have um, counties in the state of South Carolina. And on the right side of the line, there's counties in North Carolina. It's really cool on, on the bricks. The problem are the colors. Now, as I think about it, okay, I think they were trying to do, on the right, they were trying to do uh, like a North Carolina Tar Heel blue, a stripe. On the left is like a navy blue. My guess is that is for the state flag of South Carolina, which is a similar color. Okay. But if you look at it when you're going up, it looks like UNC's baby blue. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, UNC also has... That navy blue color, it's, yes. on, it's, it's in their logos, it's on the alternate color. Yep. So it looks like kind of North Carolina. So it could be... Interesting. Maybe, I wonder if part, you know, part of painting the town garnet, maybe Carolina wins, just go replace that stripe. Go over there make and paint it, over that. Make it garnet. Yeah, I was just sitting there thinking like, I don't know if Gamecock fans would love this. I'm, I'm sure it represents the whole, you know, it wasn't orange for Clemson. Sure, sure. It wasn't garnet for South Carolina. My guess is they were making it the, the state flag blue but they did the North Carolina blue, yeah. Uh, the UNC blue, right? So maybe just a little tweak that could be made in the future. But Gamecocks and Tar Heels, they can sort that out on the field. Definitely, the September fighting 2nd. for the right to repaint Carolyn. <laughs> That's right. What more could you ask for? What more I motivation mean, do you need? But Carolyn's was awesome. I'm, I have nothing bad to say. Now, did they? It was did amazing. They, have they fixed that one roller coaster that? That video with the crack? Not yet. It It was closed. We, uh, last night when we got back, we rode the Fury virtually Mm. on the video. So that that was fun. Uh, but all the other ones were great. There was a new one called Copperhead Strike. Mm. Absolutely outstanding. It's a great time to go. It's not super busy right now because a lot of kids are back in school. So A plus experience at Carowind. Shout out to those guys. I think you had a better time there than hanging out with us. Uh, of Good course call. not. No, almost called in just to just so I could see what y'all were talking about. Now nah, we're gonna, on a roller coaster. We weren't going to make you do that. Don't worry. But we are just 23 days away from the Carolinas squaring off up in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Game day is going to be there. It's going to be a great week one atmosphere. And obviously, with the news of Tez Walker not being able to play, certainly gives a advantage in that regard. Hopefully, to the uh, Gamecocks. And again, we talk about North Carolina lost our top two targets last year. And um, uh, 1,800 yards between them, Josh Dowds and uh, Antoine Green uh, combined for 18 touchdowns. And then you bring in Tez Walker. They had the other transfer um, What's uh, um, from Georgia Tech as well, coming in at wide receiver. So I'm assuming he'd probably slide into that number one role. But as we were talking about a moment ago, a lot of questions to be answered over these next couple of weeks. And you continue to have Tez Walker practicing with the ones, I'm assuming, because, again, he might get his eligibility reinstated between now and then. Maybe not likely, but you have to always plan just in case. As as Wes mentioned, you you got to make that decision at some point. You know when when do you pull a guy back a little bit and let some others get uh, that very valuable practice time? JJ Jones from Myrtle Beach is going to mm-hmm. be one of their guys. Uh, Kobe Pacer might play some in this game out of Gaffney. 
Nate McCollum, uh, Tyler, is the, is the Georgia Tech mm-hmm. transfer that you mentioned. A lot of experience on an offensive line that hasn't been great, <laughs> you know, the past couple of years. So I don't know how you feel about that. Obviously, Drake May's a great player. I think maybe an undervalued storyline here is their running back depth and the players they have at running back. This is a deep, talented running back room. Elijah Green, a Marion Hampton, who was a, a really great prospect out of high school. Their fifth-string guy is George Petway, who was a four-star running back out of Virginia that a, that a bunch of schools wanted. So they've got a lot of depth there at running back and, and a lot of firepower, whether or not they have Tez Walker on the field. They also get British Brooks back at running back. He was out last season with an injury, had a – a uh, big touchdown against Carolina in the Duke's Mayo Bowl a couple of years ago. So that's somebody that obviously Carolina is very familiar with. Is this going to be high scoring or low scoring? I was thinking about it yesterday, and you know th- this is not our prediction, Wes. We'll do our prediction show closer to time. But I seriously was sitting there thinking about it, and I was like, I, I think this is going to be a Duke, uh, um, not a Duke's Mayo Bowl, a Gator Bowl s game. Ooh, like just crazy. I feel like a good bit of scoring. That, that's how I feel about it. Watch it be like thirteen to ten, but that like I think this is a an, in the thirties. The winning team may score forty. That's just kind of what I've got in my mind right now. I could see a scenario. I'm gonna talk out of both sides of my mouth. <laughs> I could see that happening. You know, quarterbacks get going, spreading the ball around, um, start wearing out the defenses, and it kind of snowballs in itself. I could also see two new offensive coordinators on both sides, two new schemes offensive line questions for both teams. I could see both sides sort of getting out there, the defensive fronts controlling the action, and it just being one of those games where both sides are kind of waiting on it to get going, but it just doesn't quite happen right off the bat. So I, uh, you, you just, you never, it's a terrible answer, but you just never know with game ones how it's going to play out. A lot of times, it doesn't really play out the way you're seeing it in your mind as you're kind of envisioning it either. So I think that's going to be something to maybe explore as we get closer. It's just what even what does the game flow look like for this matchup? I don't know what the over-under is on, off the top of my head. but I was trying to find it. I couldn't find it. Um, or, you know, maybe, maybe that thing shifts as we get closer to, to game time. But it'll be fascinating to see what the the over-under is kind of set at. One thing that's going to be very important for South Carolina this year is obviously the running back position, and uh, Montero Hardesty, running back coach, has assigned professional counterparts to his running back room. We'll talk about that coming up next. You're listening to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Everybody loves to save, and everybody loves to be protected with great insurance. Maybe you don't think about it a lot, but you probably should. Uh, maybe you don't think about it until something goes wrong. But when something does go wrong, you want to have great brand name insurance protection right behind you. You want to get it at a great price. So if you want to do that, call up my friend Amy Mason Cup at Amy Mason Cup State Farm. She can help protect your family with life insurance. She can protect your automobiles in your household with great vehicle insurance. She can also protect your home and everything else that you have with a variety of policies, everything from vehicle insurance, life insurance, umbrella policies, and so much more. Give her a call. Ask her how you can switch and save with Amy Mason Cup State Farm. That's 803-772-5554. She helped my family switch and save. She can do the same for you. She's got a great team, very knowledgeable, very responsive, 
very helpful. Amy Mason Cup is a South Carolina native and a local agent, and she and her team can give you a personalized quote to meet your needs and help you save. If you want to pay them a visit, 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4, right here in Columbia. That's just off the St. Andrews Road exit on I-26. That's Ashland Park Plaza. The website is amymasoncup.com, and again, the phone number 803-772-5554. Small business owner here in the Midlands, so if you're a small business owner, she understands what you're going through there and can help you protect your business. If you're an individual, if you have a family, life insurance, automobile, home, she can help you bundle it all, help you switch to State Farm, help you save on your insurance with great insurance products. Again, that's State Farm agent Amy Mason Cup, amymasoncup.com, 803-772-5554. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Coach Hardesee, comparing his running backs to those in the NFL. What does he have to say about that? Coming up next, listen to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back in to the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Reminds you once again about the Ultimate Gamecock Season Ticket Giveaway on 107.5thegame.com. Look for the Ultimate Season Ticket Image. Give it a click and fill out that form for your opportunity to win tickets to every home football game, every home men and women's basketball game, and every home baseball game for the 2023-2024 sports calendar. Again, that's on 107.5thegame.com right now. Don't miss your chance. Winners will be announced on August the 25th at our football kickoff golf tournament. As I mentioned before the break, this goes back to a conversation uh, back at Birdies with Beamer the other week. Uh, Coach Hardesee, the running backs coach, likes to give comparisons of his running backs to those at the professional level and some pretty uh, good compliments that he gave to the guys in his running back room, starting off with to carry on Joyner. He says he sees a lot of Alvin Kamara in him. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things that Hardesty does. And, you know, we learned about this a a couple of years ago. But what he does is he actually cuts up tape of these guys and he looks for NFL players that have similar skill sets and running styles to his current players. So before anybody is like, oh, you know, he's comparing this guy to an NFL great, um, you know, it, it's more about skill set and giving them to something to kind of strive towards and seeing here's a guy with a similar skill set that does it very at the highest of levels. Yeah. You know, so I, I always think these are fascinating. As you said, this is, we collected this audio back uh, at Birdies with Beamer, but um, ran a story on it last night. So DK, as you said, Alvin Kamara and Josh Jacobs are who they have um, him watching. Juju McDowell, um, Austin Eckler. I think that's a good comp. Um, the one that basically Monterey himself kind of laughed at um, just because when you hear it, you're like, wait, what was... Um, Mario Anderson, Emmett Smith, and he's talking about the the big thigh pads, uh, his vision, just kind of the way he runs, falls forward. Chris, you brought this up. The mo- one of the most interesting things he said there was that if it's blocked for seven, he gets you twelve. Um, 
that's always a, a good thing. And he also has him for for Panthers fans out there. He has him watching that that old trio of backs in Charlotte uh, of D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, and Mike Tolbert. And so those are the guys that his skill set most closely resembled enough that he was like, hey, watch how these guys operated and kind of emulate some things that you see from them. Yeah, I mean, if um, if USC's running back room is like half of all those guys this season, they'd be the best in the country. But no, it is... Yeah, I, I'm glad you issued that disclaimer, Wes, because I could see somebody, twi- especially now, boy, people take <laughs> things that you say on Twitter or, or anywhere and kind of misconstrue them a little bit and then get very, very, very fired up about them. I did the Shane Beamer there. Very, 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 really, really, really fired up about them. Uh, so, yeah, it's not saying, I, I think this guy's as good as Emmett Smith. It's about the same. You know, it's just something to aspire to. You know, with Juju... Hey, put on a little extra weight. Hey, look at Austin Eckler, uh, who's did he get paid or about to get paid? Uh, none, think, of, none of the running backs are getting <laughs> none paid. None of the running backs are getting paid. Monterio <laughs> Hardesty actually mentioned that the other day. He's like, you know, I've seen guys um, that I played with in the league that were getting these big contracts, and he's like, they're still getting about the same money as they were getting back then. So everybody else has gone up. They're kind of staying static, but. Regardless, Austin Eckler trying to get paid. Yes. Probably deserves it. One of the best running backs in the league. But something that Hardesty pointed out about him is like, look, Juju, like this guy is doing this, but he's put on this amount of weight. So let's get a little bigger. You know, every single one of those guys that he's comparing these players to, they're obviously doing it at the highest level. Um, There's some traits carryovers, but he can always point to other things that these guys have done that have put them, you know, in the position that they are to be successful, and it's something they kind of can aspire to. So I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's fun. I'm sure the guys love it, yeah. too. And I'm sure they have guys they think they should be paired with, and then <laughs> he has the guys he thinks yeah. they should be paired with. Um, Hardesty very much a student of the running back game, like in terms of watching various running backs, not just now, but uh, just kind of going back both in time and then going back kind of, you know, last five or ten years of guys as well, which brings me to DJ Braswell. I thought this mm-hmm. was the most fascinating one. And, you know, he uh, he said this one was tough. And I thought it was fascinating because also it gives fans a little bit of an idea of maybe what Braswell's um, ceiling is or at least kind of like all right if if he can come in and show he's ready is the best way to say it for a true freshman this is who the skill set might somewhat compare to at its very best and he said there wasn't a modern guy there wasn't a current back that just jumped off the page as being similar to dj braswell he said he's got him watching tape of ladanian tomlinson so Dude, I mean, I remember <laughs> LT when he was in college. That guy was a beast. He was like the dude at the time. Um, so again, not saying in any way, shape, or form that you're comparing the expectation to Ladanian Tomlinson, but just from a rushing the football style, um, that that's who he has him watching and sort of saying, oh, well, that's how he did this. This is how he sets that guy up for this move. This is how he hits the hole. Um, talked in particular, and y'all got to go read it for all the details, but 
just he actually did talk about some specifics of how they're similar. And he also said Chuba Hubbard, who uh, is with the Panthers now. Yep. There are some similarities in their skill set there and, and how they run as well. So I, I just I thought that was that was pretty interesting to hear his different little sort of uh, comparisons for those guys. And what I took away from that too, so obviously all, all these guys that he's mentioned as comparisons are great players or were great players. But I thought the guys he picked for Braswell were interesting and actually pointed to me that this kid kind of has a unique skill set. You know, if you can't really peg him on one, I mean, look at Tomlinson, Hubbard, Jonathan Taylor. These are all different types of backs, I think. Those are three, not like way different styles, but they all three are unique. And I think DJ Braswell is kind of a unique prospect and player at running back is kind of what that points to to me. Well, and we, we also have heard uh, really from multiple people, but then Shane Beamer saying it as well publicly, that Braswell is faster than he probably was given credit for being in the recruiting process. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes in a vow, you know, a guy's maybe not quite as quick or as fast as you think. Sometimes a guy gets on campus, you're like, dang, this guy's even faster than we thought. That has been the case with Braswell. So for him, it's just going to be about can he uh, can he get comfortable, learn the offense, and, and get himself up to speed on all those things. But a fascinating group there. And, uh, you know, we'll be interested to watch how the rotation shifts or develops as the season progresses as they figure out what the depth chart is going to be. Yes. Uh, speaking of depth charts, you guys requested this. I asked Preston about it yesterday. I have a shortcut that I'm going to play for you guys coming up next as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Tyler, how about me setting you up for that segue? That, that, was, was, that was perfect. Chef's kiss. Um, if you want to be set up with a great gift, though, for that person who is very difficult, we all have those people that are very difficult to buy for, here's an idea. Take their favorite jersey, their favorite autograph print, maybe even their just favorite photo, or if there's a newspaper clipping from back in the day, a big win, take it over to Goal Line Framing in West Columbia. Ask owner Kendall Walsh, manager Johnny James, if they can frame it up for you. They will present and provide a custom framing job for you. That could be anything from diplomas, original artwork, canvases, jerseys, flags. They've been in business for over 20 years. Head on over to 511 12th Street, West Columbia. In store, they also have art gallery, home decor, furniture, and gift items all right there for you to check out. But again, I really like the idea of getting that jersey or that print framed up. If you got questions, give them a call, 803-739-1337. They are open Tuesday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Also open on Saturday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. If there's a big game this year, you can head on over there before you go tailgating, check out what they got in store, and then head on out and uh, do some tailgating with your friends. If you're into Instagram, give them a follow, at SC. Again, that's Gold Line Framing in West Columbia, South Carolina. Preston's thoughts on depth charts coming up next. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 Game. A couple more minutes to go for turning things over to Jay and Terry for the halftime show. As promised, I did ask Preston Thorne on the early game yesterday about death charts. 
And here is a couple of cuts of his passionate answers. I did not know this was going to be my thing. And the more I hear coaches talk, the more I'm just going to have to fight back against the opaqueness that these coaches continue to just trot out to us like depth charts don't matter when they clearly do. They clearly matter. Sure. I saw a video yesterday, and it was Tua Tungavailoa yep. throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill. Yes. Was that the second string team of the Miami Dolphins? No. No, it was the first group. It was the first unit because they are on the first part of that depth chart. Yes. Tell there's 90 men right now on NFL rosters. Cut day hasn't come yet. Right. Tell number 40 through 90 that depth charts don't matter. We're just going to, well, you know, I don't even think about depth charts. Every person in that locker room is thinking about the depth charts. Don't know when it, I don't know when it started. I believe it started when, uh, shout out to Monterio Hardesty. Great job with the running backs. I think I started when he had two oars mm. on his depth chart. I see. Out of three running backs. That, so Wes and Chris <laughs> did talk about that last year. I think it was last last season where they had multiple oars. There were multiple the oars, but there was only three running backs. So it was like, who's going to be the starter? Him or him or him. Okay. That doesn't give us any indication. And then they would play little games. Last year, they would move people up and down the depth chart and say it didn't matter, but the depth chart would change week to week. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter, but it is changing. Why is it changing? And then, maybe if I really think about it, it even goes back further to Will Muschamp because what he did in typical Muschamp fashion, he didn't change the depth chart at all. Preston Thorne, a man very passionate about depth charts. That was incredible. And, and Wes, you nailed it, though, about Muschamp with the depth chart. Like, literally, like, you got it on whatever, like, the first game notes mm-hmm. before the game one of the season, you get the depth chart. It does not change until the end. Like, there's, like, ten people out for the season. Still number one on the depth chart. Never changes. Hey, you I, just I, have to scratch it out and go from there. I, I enjoyed that very much. I, I thought for sure when you brought that up to Preston that you would raise his blood pressure a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I am, can see it. I am happy to hear that we succeeded. I sent him a text. He has not responded. But I uh, once I saw this on the cut list, I, I was looking forward to it all show. Yeah, and uh, we talked about the or thing with Adam Schefter. Also, there was the cut of Mike McDaniel talking about preseason depth charts and how it doesn't matter to him, and that's what the original part of that answer was so we had we had a lot to talk about i mean are, are there some semantics here like all right preston's coming at it from a standpoint of former player yep if you're in the locker room i promise you if you've played any sport ever where you are on the depth chart even for that one day yeah you're like oh this guy's going out there before me it, so i'm i'm not a starter right now yeah it does matter the coaches are more saying hey if you see Sidney Fugar at right tackle one day and then Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle the next, when you're out there for 10 minutes of practice, don't blast it on the internet that this guy is, quote, over, starting over this guy because it could change from one period to the next. It can change from one practice to the next, one day, blah, 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 blah. But do depth charts exist? Yes, they do. Do they matter? Yes, they do. But as we also talked about, I know Preston has an issue with the double or 
that actually was a pretty accurate example of what was about to happen. So I'll, I'll give Montario credit and a pass on the multiple oars because it was a perfect representation of how the running back position played out that year. I think we need to get Steve Fink in on the show as a guest to do depth chart science and like take us behind the scenes of building yes. the depth chart. Be a great segment. Well, let's get let's get to working on that. Next on our trust hour. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with Jane Terry coming up next. One hundred seven five game.